keep hearing over and over again from the hoi polloi. You just rip the pirates. You just hate the pirates. Okay, but they were 27 to 19. Now they're 40 and 46. Now, for those of you without basic math skills or calculator, that means they've gone 13 and 27 since they were 27 to 19. They've won less than a third of their games in that time. So now, instead of just being a hater, I'm going to tell you why the Pirates are worse than they should be. If indeed they are worse than they should be. Jamison Tyon is a bust. He's just an average pitcher, if that. He's another guy like Garrett Cole that was supposed to be an ace, but he's 5-6. and six. His ERA is 4.05. His whip is 1.26. He's average, and he's 26. He probably is what he is. In that vein, all the Pirate starters are average at best. There's not a single starter in that rotation that would be any better than a number four in the rotation of a good team, and most of them wouldn't even be in the rotation of a good team. Josh Bell had 26 home runs last year. He has five home runs this year. Starling Marte is an average player right now, and Gregory Polanco sucks. Neither one is what he was supposed to be. Neither one has lived up to the billing he had as part of the best outfield in baseball, unquote. Remember that? Polanco, Marte, and McCutcheon. Neither one is focused on a consistent basis, ergo, Neither one is a leader, and that hurts too. Francisco Cervelli has faded after a hot start. Harrison is average, came back from injury, and never really has got going. The bullpen has been a disaster. And Clint Hurdle has not managed in a fashion designed to help a mediocre talent pool overachieve. He never kicks anybody in the backside, despite all the bluster. And if there's one thing this team and a lot of its individuals badly need, it's a kick up the backside. So from top to bottom, the Pirates are a stink sandwich. And every day we take another bite. This is the Mark Madden Show. You like it, you love it, you want more of it. Dial 412-333-WXDX to go one-on-one with the great one, or follow me on Twitter, at MarkMaddenX. Don't forget, tomorrow, I'll be at Schultz Ford for their July 4th sale. Yeah, it's three days after July 4th, but still going to be a great time with great deals on great cars and great food, and the greatest radio host in Pittsburgh on site from noon till 2 So please do stop by at Schultz Ford in Harmerville tomorrow and check me out. Uh, Getting back to the Pirates. Like I said, people say all you do is bash the Pirates, but how can you not? 
The picture I just painted was dead on accurate and not at all pretty. And it keeps coming back to the goals of the franchise. Compare the Pirates to Milwaukee. In 2015, the Pirates won 98 games. The window was wide open. And between the end of that season and the 2016 trade deadline, eight key components were gone. The Pirates gutted the team to maximize profit. You can deny it all you want, but that's what happened, and that's why they did it. They gutted the team to maximize profit. Milwaukee won 86 games last year. Their window was open. So they got Yelich and Kane, and now they're trying to get Machado. They're trying to maximize the window. The Pirates just wanted to maximize money. And if you deny that, you're stupider than I think you are. And I think most of you are pretty damn dumb. Uh, and, and to be sure, the Pirates' failure is about more than not spending money. It's about being rotten at drafting and developing. And that includes coaching at the major league level. Look at some of their key players. Tyon, Bell, Marte, Polanco. They're going backwards. The four names I mentioned are clearly going backwards. Uh, you got to pin that on Hurdle and his coaches at the major league level. Uh, the MLB All-Star game is July 17th. There is not one pirate remotely deserving of making the All-Star game, although one will, because one has to. Your thoughts, 412-333-9939. The Furries are in town. So is Vince Neal, the singer for Motley Crue. He's at the Meadows tonight, at the Meadows. But I do not consider the two events to be in any way related. I'm sure Vince has had his wild time sexually. In fact, I know he has. I read his book, and I read The Dirt, the Motley Crue autobiography, but uh, I don't think Vince Neal is a furry. And I'm a fan of the furries. Let's make no mistake. I need inner peace. Perhaps that would help. Perhaps I should become a furry. I wouldn't wear the full costume, mind you. That would be too hot. I would just wear a tail. Uh, we got Tim Benz at 330 Today's show will stretch your attention span and my creative talents, but uh, that kind of desperation usually leads to brilliance. It looked like Eric Carlson, the Ottawa defenseman, to Tampa Bay. It looked like that was a done deal. But the Lightning and Ottawa need a third team to launder money, and now it does not look like that trade is imminent. I wrote a blog about that on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. I'm not sure that Eric Carlson is what Tampa needs. Just like I'm not sure that John Tavares is what Toronto needs. Now, getting back to Tampa, I'm not sure what Tampa needs. They were good enough to win the Stanley Cup last year. Uh, they have been for a couple years, but they're the underachievers du jour. Uh, Tampa Bay, if they get Carlson, would have Carlson and Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough. Now, does that make Ryan McDonough a bottom pair defenseman for Tampa? 
again, like I said with Toronto and Tavares, the Lightning are collecting hockey cards. They're not building a team. Apparently, the Carlson trade is tricky because Ottawa's insisting whoever takes Carlson takes Bobby Ryan, and he has $30 million still due on his contract, and he's no longer a player worth that kind of money. Uh, yesterday, I tried to get some gimmicky-style sports talk going because it's summer, and the sooner these shows are over with and, and just filled with whatever kind of BS, the better. Somebody brought up the idea of the biggest trades in Pittsburgh sports history. Uh, inspired by me saying that uh, the biggest trade in sports history was Babe Ruth from the Boston Red Sox to the New York Yankees in 1920. Uh, it forever changed the face of MLB and made the Yankees uh, the face of baseball and not the Red Sox. Whoever had Babe Ruth in that span was going to be the face of baseball. Uh, Pittsburgh simply doesn't have a trade like that, not in any sport. The Penguins made those big trades in 1991 to 1992 to win Cups. The Steelers never make trades. With the Pirates, they didn't trade for Roberto Clemente. They got Clemente from Brooklyn in 1954, and they did it via what later became the Rule 5 draft. That's how the Pirates got Clemente, via the Rule 5 draft. But with the Pirates, because baseball lends itself to trades uh, more than any sport, that especially goes back through history. With the Pirates, the big transaction have always been outgoing. Kiner gets traded. McCutcheon gets traded. Barry Bonds walks. And, of course, how about Neil Walker for John Neese? 412-333-9939. We got Virgil on hold. We got Larry on hold. We'll get to that. Oh, the Rick. Is that from those... ESPN commercials, the Rick. I hope not, because I'd just hang up on that guy. We got them on hold. We'll get to them in just a second. We got Tim Benz live in studio at the bottom of the hour. This is the Mark Madden Show, 1059 to X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Yada, 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 yada. You know what, Mark? I got a hard time, and I was wondering if you give me some advice. Do you have any idea how dumb that sounds? The X at 1059. Couple hockey notes. Uh, Jamie Alexiak, a restricted free agent with the Penguins, has filed for arbitration. It probably won't come to that. It, I would imagine he'll work out a deal with the Penguins before then, as usually happens. But uh, Alexiak has filed for arbitration. Uh, I don't believe he's going anywhere, though. Also, our buddy Bo Bennett, ex the Penguins, uh, can't get an NHL job, so he signed up playing the KHL. With Dinamo Minsk. Uh, Bo Bennett in Russia could be a really interesting scenario. I just hope their trainer speaks English. Need to have trainers and doctors multilingual with our buddy Double B. Uh, World Cup in progress uh, in the 61st minute. It's Belgium 2, Brazil 0. Brazil keeps trying to go through Neymar. And he's not their best player, but that's the culture of the team. And that's gotten them into trouble in the past. 
and it's getting them into trouble again today. They should be going through Philippe Coutinho, but uh, they're not. Earlier today, France beat Uruguay 2-0. Uruguay without Cavani, that really hurt them a great deal. So if uh, Belgium holds on, it'll be Belgium and France in one semifinal, and I would expect the winner of that would be very likely to win the World Cup. What if during the Belgium and France game, the German team just took to the field and steamrolled both countries? It has happened before. Let's go to uh, Virgil on the hill. Virgil, you're on with Double M. What up, Big Sexy? What up, man? I think let, let's boil the Pirates problem down, okay? So I don't necessarily think it's necess- it's drafting. It's not the training staff because injuries haven't derailed the young pitchers. It's all the minor league director, and if Searage, whatever his beliefs are, usually the major league pitching coach gets with the roving pitching guy, and that's what they believe in. This team has not hit on any of their high-pick pitchers. And, and look, I know, you're, I know you're down on Tyon. I know you're down on Bell. But those guys, Tyon's a four or a five, and the pressure of him being a one, two, or three right now is why he is what he is. So for me, it's oh, the I don't know, Virgil. I don't know if there should be any pressure, no matter what spot you're pitching in. If you're in the rotation on a team going nowhere, you should go out and do your best, regardless of pressure. And uh, if this is Tyon's best, it's simply not good enough. Now, as far as whether they draft well or don't, it's tough to tell because drafting and developing are so so closely linked that you know they could draft all the right guys and develop them poorly. They could draft all the wrong guys and develop them better. Uh, I don't see any way to separate those. But uh, the big thing about the Pirates' development with pitchers that really throws me for a loop is the idea that universally they pitch to contact. Uh, that's the minimized pitch count. I understand that. But but it's really forced Cole and Morton, to name two guys who were gone, to pitch away from their strengths. And they're proving what their strengths are now with Houston. And who knows how many other Pirate pitchers will leave the team and do the same as those two. And at the at the lower levels, the pitching to contact saves wear and tear and it and maybe keeps their ERAs down. But when you get to the show, when you're pitching to contact, unfortunately, we've seen this entire year in the last four or five years, you pitch the contact that much, some of those contacts... Well, well my problem, hard. Virgil, and thank you for the call, is that you, you can't coach pitchers in blanket fashion. Pitchers have different strengths. Every athlete has different strengths, and you should coach to his strengths as opposed to having one universal truth, in this case, for all the pitchers in your organization. Let's go to Larry and Green Tree. Larry, you're on with Double M. Mr. Madden, how are you? Good, Larry. Hey, uh, two comments, if I can say. Uh, one, I'm just so ha- I'm so glad that you speak the truth about the Pirates because they're just they just lie about everything, and it, nothing is the truth. They try to just blow over the. They, they want the people to think one thing, and they're not doing. Yeah, anything we we pretty much established anything. that. What else you got? The other thing is, I I don't think if, with uh, Tampa Bay, even if they get Carlson, I, I just think they're an underachieving hockey club. I I don't. I think, think there's a get... culture of underachieving there. I do, and, and I don't think Carlson will def. I don't think Carlson will do what they think he will. I don't think Tavares will do for Toronto what the Leafs think he will. Let's go to the Rick in Greensburg. The Rick, you're on with the Super Genius. <laughs> Hey, Buck, how you doing, man? Hey, uh, 
hear me out. You know, I know, I know the Blue Jackets would never trade Panarin to the Penguins in a division, right? There's some bad blood there with Rutherford and company. But wouldn't it be a great troll move if, uh, you know, let's say we agreed with... Wouldn't Carolina. it be great if Gretzky and Lemieux came out of retirement in their primes and both played for the Penguins? Wouldn't be fair. Wouldn't it be great if somebody dropped a bag containing $10 million in unmarked bills off at my house tonight? That'd be something I'd be I mean, I'd love that. Wouldn't it be great if it was uh, three 21-year-old girls? No, let's make it 19. No, let's make it freshly turned 18 in cheerleader outfits, and they were ready and willing and all hopped up on ecstasy. Wouldn't that be great? If you didn't have to pay for it. Well, even if I did, I would have that bag with the $10 million in it. Bro, they're not going to get Panera. Goodbye. Let's go to Josh in Monroeville very quick. Josh, you're on with Double M. Hey, soccer suck. Yep, so does Monroeville. So does your mother. So does your sister. So does your aunt. If you have a daughter, she'll grow up to suck. Thank you for the call. Up next, Tim Benz, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. You live by the ass, you die by the ass. Well, I wanted to see what your thoughts were on that subject. Wait a minute. Prostitution's illegal? The X at 105.9. Joining me now in studio, my colleague at the Trib. You can hear him on the Steelers Radio Network as well. It's Tim Benz. Tim, how badly will Jack Johnson uh, totally ruin the Penguins' defense and indeed their chance at a third Stanley Cup in four years because the fancy stats geeks are proclaiming Armageddon? Basically, I don't know why they're even bothering to have a season. I think they should just shut it down right now, fold the team, and bring in an NBA franchise. So we can fold that and just give it to the Warriors. But, I mean, you're right. The the analytics people have decided Jack Johnson is beyond repair, which is kind of funny because I actually found a couple of deep analytics stats that suggest the opposite and that he is actually going to be better here in Pittsburgh, particularly with his ability to make the first breakout pass. That's a unique skill that he has. He's one of the top six in hockey from that last year. Mike Kelly of the NHL Network came on my podcast and talked to me for the Trib and he says that's a unique skill set that he still has, and that will, I think, Mark, be heightened by the forwards that he's playing with here. Uh, yeah, and that ties into my notion that fancy stats cannot be transplanted from team to team. I just don't see how that's possible. You've got different players out there with you. You've got a different system you're playing within the context of. I think fancy stats are a, a nice way for people who don't know how to watch the game to pretend they know what they're talking about. But I think there is a lot of pretense in that regard. Well, the fancy stats that bother me are the ones that are picked and chosen to prove your point while ignoring the other ones. Like, to my point, okay, I'm not a huge analytics guy. I'm not a big fancy stats guy. I don't dismiss all of them. I pay attention when I think they're merited. But the people who are into that, you just, I, I what, coincidentally decided they weren't going to talk about how good Jack Johnson is in that regard, but they only picked the ones that made him look bad because they decided that the term and the money was too much. It's like, I can find the fancy stats they are going to prove my narrative, and I'll leave out the other ones that might suggest the opposite. That's the problem that I have. The other thing about the guys who brandish fancy stats like a weapon, Tim, I read one column on Johnson where a, a guy wrote one paragraph, and then the rest of his column, well, let's call it what it really is, a blog. The rest of his blog was color-coded graphs proving that Jack Johnson sucks from a million other blogs. So in other words, he did one paragraph of actual work on his part, then stole other people's fancy stats, and presumably, well, maybe he didn't get paid for it. If it was, it wasn't very much. But, but you get my drift. Fancy stats used to be the hard way, 
Now it's become the easy way. As opposed to me, who stole somebody else's fancy stats, but I at least built an opinion off of it. Oh, Tim, I'll steal. No question. Uh, in fact, I'm replaying this interview at 530. You're going to steal from ourselves. That's right, like like John Fogarty. <laughs> uh, now, uh, were you surprised by the Matt Cullen signing, and where's he fit? I'm not thrilled with the Matt Cullen signing. I don't think it's necessary, but I don't have a problem with it. It's one year. It's cheap. I don't think they'll rely on him to do as much as they... 2-1, Brazil has scored. Go ahead, Tim. Oh, did they get one past the giant uh, Belgian goalie? He made a great save earlier. Andre the... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Thibaut Courtois. Although Andre the Giant, I'd like to see in net, though. If he went down, he'd never get up. Um, no, I think the Cullen thing, they won't rely on him as much as they used to. Mark, I'm, I'm less... Well, there's no risk at that price. Yeah. And I'm less put off by him coming back. What, what does this mean? Like, less Dominic Simone? Big deal. I'm actually happy about that. But him coming back, to me, is less of a story than Jim Rutherford suggesting that it was all about leadership. Like, when he said that the leadership quotient is going to go up in the Penguin locker room now, I never thought leadership was an issue last year. In fact, didn't we bend over backwards praising new guys for emerging as leaders, like Gino, for instance, and Patrick Hornquist, and even Carl Hagelin at the end of the well, season? Well, a lot of things get skewed when you don't win, but, but I agree. First off, as you know, Tim, I think leadership's mostly a myth. Right. When you sign it, you ascribe it after the after fact. After the fact. If you win, there must have been great leadership. Meanwhile, Mark Messier, the all-time greatest leader in hockey, didn't make the playoffs his last seven years. But uh, I, I think the Penguins had plenty of leadership last year. They had two-thirds of a team back that won the Stanley Cup, and I don't think the, the third that left were all their leaders. Right, because Kunitz and Cullen were gone, that was a talking point going in. When they were still a good team in the regular season and rolled through the first round of the playoffs, nobody was talking about a lack of leadership being an issue. It only Even after the season, Mark, I never heard... Mike Sullivan or Jim Rutherford, particularly Rutherford, is usually a candid guy by GM standards, right? Never even brought up the topic of a lack of leadership until Cullen came back. Uh, just tell me that you want him as like a fourth line left wing, or just I, tell me that I you want him as. I think he was looking for something to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, but it now I think looks poorly on, especially since we have so much Kessel discussion. People are saying, "Well, now Cullen's got to be the Kessel whisperer." That's not going to be his job. No, no, not well. Here's what here's what I hope Cullen's job is. I hope he's the 13th forward and gets a game when somebody's hurt or when somebody's playing bad and plays maybe 45 or 50 games. Because the one good thing about Colin is he can legitimately play all three forward positions. Yes. You, you, you can put him out there left, right, or center, and he knows how to play it. Now let me float this at you. What if his job is to be the fourth-line center because they have cut something cooking for Broussard to open up cap space to get somebody else? I don't think that'll happen You know, before the season. But I think that I think Cullen enables that to be an option. What about him on wing? Is that well? He gave every impression, Tim, when he was on the show earlier this week that that's where he's going to play. Oh no, I meant Broussard. Do you think Broussard is capable on wing, or is that just kind of a panic move to try to shoehorn? It's not, him? It's not a panic move, but it is to try to shoehorn him in. You see, here's the thing, Tim. I think he could play well with Crosby. I, I don't know why, but Crosby and Broussard strikes me as two guys who could work together. They can think alike because Broussard is both fast through the neutral zone and good down low. Thing is, Tim, if you play him at wing. That's yet another wing, and yet another right wing, because you keep Gensel on the left. Although, you know where Broussard would help? He would take some defensive uh, pressure off Crosby if he played right. on his line. Yeah, because Crosby wouldn't have to bust his ass back so often, because in the past, he's had to make up for usually Gensel and Sheary, right? Going back for the puck? Correct, correct. So so I that intrigues me, but uh, again, it's tough because Sid has crazy preferences, so... When you take those into account, and then there's a trickle down, I'll give you a case of point. 
Of the right wings the Penguins have now, Tim, which one do you think Sid would most like to play with? Most like to play with? Right, right wing. Theoretically, I would think that the right wing that he would most like to play with would be Rust. No, because Rust doesn't have the touch through the neutral zone. You know who he likes to play with? Simone. He likes Simone or Recky thinks that Simone? No, 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 no. It's been made very clear to me that Simone with Sid was Sid's idea. See, I would... What I would think he would like is Hornquist because he plays a straight line nope, game. Nope, not enough touch through the neutral zone. I, I understand that's why he gets ticked off with him, but it still makes the most sense. Isn't he you know, with you Kensel know, enough playmaking and then you, you, Hornquist you, you, in front you, of the you net? Know would, would make the most sense, Tim? For the coach to make the decision. That would make the most sense. Now, I want to get to the Pirates because the trade deadline isn't that far away, Tim. How many players on their roster will the Pirates ditch by the trade deadline? The better Diaz plays, the easier it makes to get rid of uh, Cervelli. If anyone wants. Right. Um, and there are, I think Seattle is down a couple catchers right now, so they might be willing to take on his salary. Dickerson could be a good fourth outfielder and a uh, left-handed stick off the bench for a team that's in need of one. Or, you know, a, a team that needs like a seventh or eighth hitter in the outfield. Uh, he would be one that I would think that could be spun off. Uh, aside from that, I don't know who else would care. Well, Harrison, some, some Harrison guys maybe. Try to do the dumperoo with like freeze for anything. Yeah, a uh, Harrison, I think, given his ticket and two years after this for anything, and I do think Harrison would be uh, desirable as a super utility guy for some teams. For example, I could see Harrison being a great fit for the Yankees. Like team. I could see Harrison being someone that a team, yeah, like the Yankees might want or somebody else who's contending, particularly in the National League, since the five teams in the American League look like they're pretty well on the path to being who they are right. in the playoffs. But a National League team might want Harrison, and then you get in return the Drew Hutchison of the day, right? Somebody that Huntington will blow out of proportion. to the That guy who's going to be in our rotation next year just to pacify the fan base who still doesn't understand the process here, which is it's not a process like the 76ers. It's the Pirates process, which is just about the bottom well, line. In that vein, Tim, people say the Pirates will rebuild with youth, the, the optimists, the bucko blogger brigade. But the Pirates system is maybe in the bottom of the middle third in MLB in terms of talent in it, and they're not great at developing. So... When they get rid of the veterans, aren't they really just signing off on sucking for a good period? Yeah, I think they did that actually in advance of this year with Cole and McCutcheon, maybe even fooled themselves with how well they played to start the season. But, you know, the Seinfeld infield of uh, Newman and Kramer, like, they're okay, but I don't hear the buzz about them that I used to with Cole and Tyon and Polanco coming up. Funny you mention that because if you look at the last few generations of Pirate uh, top prospects, Tyon and Bell aren't hacking it. Polanco and Marte aren't hacking it. Garrett Cole didn't live up to it while he was here. Then he left, and, you know, obviously it's a short sample. When's the last time you heard the name Stetson Ali? Well, well, right. Damn, it just seems like they're all underachieving. Some of them worse than others, but they're all underachieving. And don't you have to point fingers and make tough decisions, or do you just keep paying the guys you've been paying and just keep getting that TV revenue and that – Revenue sharing and that tech money. You know, the new guy that I think is starting to take some heat, and rightfully so, has become Searage. 
He's no longer the, oh, Uncle Ray will just put his hands on him and everything will be fine. Well, And that's especially true because since, since it's become known that the whole system pitches the contact. That's ridiculous. That's one of the stupidest philosophies I've ever heard for any team in any sport that all the pitchers have to pitch the same. Yeah, and what was the phrase that Garrett Cole used when he first went to Houston and had that great success to start the year? You don't have to dot up as much here, is what he said. You don't have to dot up as much. And he had the freedom to pitch as opposed to thinking quadrants and things of that nature and uh, you know, it was always easier. I, I always thought that Sirius actually did a better job fixing other people's broken parts than he did refining yes. the alleged yes. good parts that they had coming through the system. You know what I mean? Like, did, did, I don't think he ever netted as much out of Garrett Cole as he could have, but he got more out of Ivan Nova than they ever thought that he would have. When's the last time a pirate prospect, a top guy, turned out like he should have? Is it McCutcheon? Uh, that lived up to first-round pick billing? Yeah. Probably a coal for the one year, but it didn't maintain. And if you're an alleged ace and a number one overall pick, it's supposed to maintain. Well, I, I think he was alleged to be an ace uh, in very mistaken fashion. Yeah, well, they hoped. And, you know, he had pedigree. I don't think a lot of people balked at that notion. Right. And he showed it at first. But again, it's about maintaining not just having the one really, really good year or good year and a half. And he never was able to sustain that here. Uh, Tim, I want to move on to the column you wrote. Uh, and by the way, we're talking to Tim Menz from the Trib here on the Mark Madden Show. You wrote a column saying that Cowher and Tomlin have not underachieved the Steelers coaches. Now, uh, is that because of the overlap with the Brady and Belichick dynasty in New England? I think that's got a lot to do with it, Be- yeah. Because, because if, you, if you don't consider that, then they have underachieved because they, they've certainly had a lot of weaponry. But if you do consider that... Uh, I think you might be honest. Yeah, and I, I talked a lot about that in the column. And in fact, Mark, that's part of the reason why you can be harder on Cower for his earlier portion of his career because in 92, 94, and 97, they either went in as the one seed or had a home field game in the AFC Championship as a favorite. And they did. there was no Patriots team out there looming until Cower came into the Heinz Field era. And actually, you know what? Even in 2001... No one quite knew what the Patriots were at that time. Looking back, we can assign that. Well, no now, one knew but, they were this. Right, no one knew that they were this. And frankly, shouldn't a team have to lose once or two? Like the Jordan Bulls, even. Like, I equated them to the Jordan Bulls in the column, right? Well, even the Jordan Bulls had to come up short a couple times against the Celtics before they became the Jordan Bulls. Or against the Pistons, actually. And then they were a dynasty. But the, they steamrolled right through Heinz Field in 2001 in their first opportunity to do so. And the legends were born. Now, if Ben retires and the Steelers never beat New England in a playoff game, how big of a blemish is that on this era of Steeler football? Not as much as some of the other analogies I drew. It's not like Carl Malone and John Stockton in Utah because they at least got theirs. Somewhere along the way, they got theirs. But it's, it's, it's an asterisk. Yeah, you know, they, they were always going to be, just like the Colts with Peyton Manning, they might have gotten theirs along the way, but they were always significantly an, an afterthought behind the Patriots. Tim, I'm going to be talking about this at length at 4 o'clock, but what's your take on the report that Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson will play a $10 million winner-take-all match? It strikes me as contrived, smarmy, country club hustling, but it also reflects that golf hasn't created new stars. It's almost like getting Secretariat and Seattle slew out of the glue factory right now. I who wants to see this now? How impre- What if they both stink? Tim, Tim, it'll draw a monster rating. I know. People will watch. 
A but monster rating. I think they should just hit the ball back and forth at each other on the green after it goes beyond the hole. Once they start missing shots, they should just whack it back at each other like mini sticks. But does, doesn't it speak to, you know, like, like I always look at Jordan Spieth. When Tiger was out, he won the Masters and the U.S. Open in 2015, finished second at the PGA. Now, that might not be that close to a Grand Slam, but it's as close as anybody in a long time, right? It's heavyweight boxing and is what it is. And he still wasn't a star. Why is that? Why? Will golf not embrace Spieth as a star? He's 24. He's won a bunch. Uh, golf Digest calls him the, the 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 best guy, the most likable guy on the tour. Why can't golf establish new stars? Why do we all just wait for Tiger? Because they got to let go of Tiger first, and it's part of the business. These guys know. I'm sure every golf writer out there. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark. Yeah? Hi, Mark. Big fan. It's Double M. Let me hear you woo. Hi, woo. Well, then you ain't talking, bitch. The X at 105.9. I'm going to see Vince Neal tonight at the Meadows. Uh, does he have the same cachet without Motley Crue? He's the only guy doing crew songs. Ever since Nikki Six shut down 6 a.m., Vince is the only guy from Motley Crue that's still performing, period. He's the voice. You can always sell the voice. People want to hear the voice, and people want to hear the songs. I've never been to the Meadows since it became a casino, so I'm looking forward at the Meadows. No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at cwelectricalservices.com. Uh, one World Cup semifinalist set. Uh, Belgium just beat Brazil 2-1 to one in what, uh, if that's an upset, it's a very mild one. So it's Belgium and France in one semi. It would not be shocking at all if the German team, eliminated at the group phase, uh, came back and overran the field uh, with France and Belgium and then they could play England in the final at Dunkirk. Half the field could be underwater. Uh, we're going to talk more about the Pirates. I talked about all the things that tangibly have gone wrong with the Pirates that have led them from a 26-17 and 17 record to a 40-46 and 46 record. But just the excuse-making and the validation of their spending. And like I've been saying, it's not all about underspending, but that has something to do with it. I heard one guy on the B team say, the Pirates can't afford to have players underachieve. Right, because for most teams, players underachieving is no problem. It's just the Pirates that can't afford it. Excuses, 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 and making excuses on their behalf just perpetuates the need for excuses. Well, certainly helps anyway. Up next, I'm going to talk about Tiger Woods versus Phil Mickelson. One-on-one -on -one for 10 million bucks. You heard? You're going to. 30 seconds, 105.9.